Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. What's up, fellas? It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. Today, I wanted to just extend to you, before I begin, a big thank you for tuning in and for all your support on the podcast. It seems to be going very well. I'm getting a lot of great feedback, and I'm so honored that I'm able to you know, share some facets of my life and my passions that may help... Um, you know, you in the future and in, in your own choices and decisions. So my heart goes out to you and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Today's podcast is with a, uh, a gentleman named Rick Porter. And Rick is the president and owner of Cinch IT, which is a technical solutions business that uh, helps small businesses with their IT stuff. But that's not all that Rick's about. So this podcast is pretty cool because Rick is one of those guys that He's um, he's a go-getter, you know. He's a father of of three, and he's married. He he's been in the in the military. He served his country as an army ranger, and he's got great stories of um, work ethic and, and sacrifice. And you know, more recently, he's been committed to um, to run an Ironman contest. <laughs> Wait to hear him talk to you about that. Amazing. But this guy is, you know, really the salt of the earth. He's tough as nails and he's got a great vision and a great outlook. And I wanted to have him on so we could share it for you and maybe give you a little inspiration along the way. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny, Rick. Um, I just want to introduce you to my audience. I'm probably going to do it on a uh, on an intro anyway. But uh, Mr. Rick Porter is here with me today, and uh, we've become friends over the last year. And I'm so happy to have you on. I was on your podcast recently called The Founder Story, told my story, and I thought, wow, it'd be kind of cool to have you come on. And I want you to uh, you know feel free to discuss what's going on in your life. I want to ask you some questions, and I really want to find out what drives this man because uh, you're somebody that people should be paying attention to for their own um, their own desires to get up and go, to make it happen. That's been kind of the story of your life. So I want to thank you to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you know the, the opportunity to talk with you and chat with you and, yeah. and meet some of your audience. So. And we met uh, in my office when you were a little banged up there a few months back. and <laughs> A lot banged up. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of goes back to some of the conversation that I wanted to have with you today because it's been like 2020 was tough for a lot of people, right? And you included. Of course, yeah. Because this thing that happened with your arm and your shoulder and stuff, that all happened in 2020. 2020. Yep. Right. Arguably, maybe it was a, a compilation of stuff that built up over years and years and years, but definitely came to a head in 2020 and, and just was a massive amount of pain all at once. And why I, I sought someone out and you came highly recommended by multiple people. So awesome. And, you know, in 2020, I don't know if there's such a thing as 2020. It's just that the environment has changed dramatically in America. Yeah. And there's a lot of people struggling and, and you know, they may not have the skill sets uh, to be able to handle it with ease and grace. A lot of people struggling like crazy. But one thing that I've gotten to know very quickly about you is that you're a tough son of a gun and you ain't taking no for an answer. And you're going to get up every day and you're going to keep crushing it. <laughs> so I want to kind of step back for a moment and give the mic to you. I want to know a little bit about your story, about where you come from, <clears throat> what kind of things have got you to where you are today, and what is the most important things in your life? Sure. Um, all right. So take you back all the way to the beginning. I am, I, I always say I'm, I'm a, probably the 
the correlation of my parents. So my mother uh, was a single mother. She worked three jobs, had two kids. We were a handful. Um, and we witnessed her just work herself to the bone. I mean, she would drag us to work with her because she couldn't afford to put us in daycare yeah. at the same time. And so we got to watch that. Um, she eventually met my stepfather, <clears throat> who is uh, a very disciplined person. He's not a military person, but he has a very military-like personality and regimen and discipline. Um, and we needed that. Like the boys needed that yeah. level of discipline. Because we're a little bit out of control. Um, little? A, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, and so he instilled that level of discipline with us and stuff like that, which we definitely needed. Um, they they both worked incredibly hard. We did not have a lot of money by any means when I was really young. Yeah. But they gave us as much opportunity as they could, um, mostly with sports. Like my bro, I'm, it's three boys. There's three of us, all boys, all athletes, all very competitive. And my parents did anything and everything they needed to do in order to to foster that and let us develop. So we play, we all played sports. We all played at the highest level. Um, they were chauffeurs, right? Bringing one kid to one, and then the next right. one to the next one to the next one. I mean, it seemed like we were always playing sports, but that built a competitive nature in all of us. And also, I really do think it built a lot of the self-esteem that myself and my brothers have because we found success with sports and that helped build our confidence and our self-esteem that, that later on carried over. Um, pretty normal high school um, and, and college career, played sports in all of them, studied business in college. Um, but uh, as I was graduating high school, I really wanted to join the military. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Um, had a conversation with my parents, my girlfriend at the time, you know, talked to a lot of folks and, uh, a lot of people recommended to go to school first, go to college, get your education. You, military will always be there. Sound sounded like it was sound advice. Good advice. Yeah. yeah. So I did that. Uh, I went to school again, studied business administration, graduated, didn't go directly into the military. Um, actually went right into the, um, into the job market and got my first job, um, but the entire time I was working, that that drive to join the military and be part of that military um, was always there. Yeah. And I was bringing it up constantly. And my wife at one point said, you know what? Her exact words, if you want to know how enthused she was by this decision. <laughs> you were married at the time. I was married at yeah. the time. My my ex-wife, um, punchline of, of the end of this story, right? Okay. <laughs> it's coming in advance. Um, she said, you know what? Just go do it. You need to get this out of your system. That's how she phrased it. Oh, yeah. um, so we did it. And uh, I joined the military, um, went through basic training, AIT, um, volunteered for um, jump school, airborne school. Yeah. Um, so went to uh, Fort Benning, did uh, airborne school at Fort Benning, graduated airborne school, got the opportunity after airborne school to volunteer for... Um, Ranger Regiment to become a part of the 75th Ranger Regiment in the U.S. Army. Volunteered for that, went through their selection program called at the time called RIP Ranger Indoctrination Program. Um, made it through the selection program and was assigned to the 75th Ranger Regiment, First uh, Battalion down in Savannah, Georgia. Wow. So moved down there, not knowing anybody. Um, 
continued my military training. I went on to ranger school as a graduate of ranger school, which was fun. I think there was 274 people in my class at the start of the class. And I think we graduated 34. Wow. Um, yeah, huge attrition rate. It was, yeah. it was brutal. It's one of those, you know, 45 minutes of sleep every night. You get to eat once a day and you hike with, you know, 50 to 90 pounds on your back through the mountains all day long. Um, I lost 34 pounds in 62 days. If you want to get an idea of, of what that was like. But graduated ranger school, um, continued on with my military career, met my now wife um, in Georgia. We started to, you know, build our relationship and eventually moved back to Massachusetts. Yeah. And uh, she came with me and we came up here and we started a family. Um, and then I started my business career at that point. Holy moly, man. You've been through a bunch. We had fun. <laughs> we had fun. How old were you when you joined the military? I was older than most. So I think I was... Well, let me get this right. I think I was 25 when I joined, 25, 26. Yeah. And now take me to the year because I'm, I'm trying to place it to the 9-11. So that would have been, it was after 9-11. Yeah. Okay. It was after 9-11. We were definitely at war when I joined. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. I was joining to go to war. Um, yeah. My uncle um, is in the military, uh, well, was in the military at the time. He's now retired. And uh, I had a conversation with him. Um, to get his advice and his guidance. He had been in the military for a very long time. He had served, um, I believe, in a couple different units. He really knew what he was talking about. Uh, and we had the conversation, what do you want to do when you get into the military? You've wanted to do it for so long. I don't want to make the wrong decisions, choose choose the wrong job within the military or the wrong unit and that kind of thing. And it was a very um, deliberate decision to take the path towards the 75th Range Regiment. Um, their, their mission their primary function is to kill and capture high value targets. Wow. They kick indoors. That's yeah. what they do. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. And and I knew that, you know, whether I actually planned it to be a career, quite honestly, which obviously it wasn't. Right. Um, and that's because I got a divorce when I was in. Yeah. But I, I wanted it to be my career and I wanted it to be a fulfilling career and something that I would enjoy doing. And kicking indoors and chasing down bad guys sounded like... That's at that Pretty time. Awesome that's, that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you meet your wife down there. She's from Georgia. Yeah, she and, is. And you brought her up here. Yes. She'll tell you I tricked her into well, coming up here. She's right. Yeah. Cause so she's always right. She, so when we had an, an idea that she was going to come up here and that, that we were going to continue our relationship, even after I got out of the military and stuff like that, we, Came up to Massachusetts to visit um, a couple times. So the first time we came up, I think we stayed in Boston, mm. right? Which is beautiful oh. and there's so much to do and the food's amazing. And we walked around you tricked um, her. the Boston Common. <laughs> I won't admit that on camera, but. <laughs> I just did it for you. Yeah. So then the second time we came back up, we did come to, to uh, Worcester, which is where my parents were. Yeah. And we stayed, stayed with my parents, but we came in the fall. And like the foliage was oh, beautiful. Wow. You are a conniving <laughs> ranger, aren't it you? It <laughs> wasn't intentional, I swear. Um, and so when we went back down and we're talking about, you know, we're going to move and we're starting to pack and this and that, she was very excited about it. She was very, very, very excited. It's beautiful. And she's telling all her friends and, and her friends and family did not want her to move. Right. right. She was very popular. She knew everybody down yeah. there and everybody loved her. And uh, they really didn't want her to move. And uh, but she did. And, and she was excited about it because yeah. it was beautiful and the city's got so much to do. And we moved up, I believe, on February 2nd in 2010, I believe, which happened to be a blizzard. 
Oh. Yeah. So we got that too. We moved up in a U-Haul. Oh my gosh. Our stuff was in the U-Haul. We drove all the way up here uh, in the middle of a blizzard. And the U-Haul got stuck in the snow and she didn't own a winter coat yet. <laughs> now she started to figure out what this New, New England weather's all yeah, about. She was she was not so happy on day one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how she tells the story. I tricked her into coming up here. Yeah. Well, you did. <laughs> so, you know, it was funny. You mentioned to me, and there's my kitty. <laughs> He's fluffy. Bella. Smells my cat What are you doing? <laughs> if you're just listening, my cat came in the room here and hanging out with us. Hey, hey, uh, That's okay. You can throw her down if you want to. No, she, she's good. She's very loving. I don't know if you're allergic <laughs> my to My cat please. doesn't snuggle with me, so. Oh, Bella will snuggle with you for sure. <laughs> That's the way she's all about. She's going to stick their tail up your nose while you're at it. <laughs> she's, she's good. You know, it's funny. Some of the simplest moments in life are the best parts of a show. Yeah. <laughs> the cat. And look at this. You know, if, if the camera's going the other way, you got the old one eye from the background yeah. looking at you. Go ahead, Bella. Get up there. You know, but you had mentioned that your mom and your dad were pretty instrumental in your life early on. They gave you good skills to be able to adapt and to overcome. And is that what you learned? Did you take that right into the military? Did, was that kind of a mirror of um, some of those things? I mean, I I personally think that we're all a product of our parents. Yeah. Um, the good and the bad. Yeah. The things they did do and the things they didn't do. Um so I would say, yeah, of course, in the military and business and life, as, you know, as a father in, in yeah. everything, you know, I, I derive a lot of who I am and, and the way I am from my parents. Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, for me in the military, because I went in a little bit older, um, I, I already had my first child at the time. So right. I had been through like that infant <laughs> stage where you don't sleep at night and stuff like right. that. So, you know, I went into ranger school, which, again, you don't get a lot of sleep, right? Maybe 45 minutes of sleep at night. And. I'm in there and there's 18 and 19 year old guys that are just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You should have a kid. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm yeah. rested. <laughs> These are the kids that used to go to spring break. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's, you know, just having some life experience made some things a little bit easier. And I'm not saying ranger school was easy by any means, but no, it was a little course. bit easier because I had some of that life experience. Well, some people go into the military to escape some of the poor choices that they've made so they can, you know, potentially rewrite the ship. Sure. But your ship was already right. You went in there and said, I, this is a dream for me. I want to do this. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a dream for me. We, we made myself, my ex-wife, my, you know, my family, my daughter. Yeah. Uh, we made a lot of sacrifices. Um, to make it happen. To, to make it happen. Absolutely. It was yeah. not easy on anyone. It was yeah. probably easiest on me because it was my dream. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to just drive my cat crazy here. I just <laughs> wanted to say thanks for your service oh. because it's important that we have people like you who will go out and protect our country. And, and it's something that I, I live by. And I want to give a quick shout out to my buddy. I don't know if you guys can see it over here. It says Spec Ops Tool Gear. Um, this is a company that was created by my friend Mark Wombolt. Amazing man. He's probably listening now. He, he will be anyway. Thank you, Mark, for this jersey. He gives me gear. I love the gear. Yeah, right? I like it. And he takes, he sells these vests and they're really cool. They, you wear them on construction sites. You know, the guy who's upstairs working on a second floor and he's like, oh crap, you know, I don't have my laser. I don't have my whatever. He's got to go out to the truck all the time. So he made these amazing vests with power supplies in them and you wear them. Pretty much everything you need is there. But the real beautiful part of that is, is he was on the podcast. We were talking about it. He said, I donate a percentage of every sale back to one of the Wounded Warrior Fund. I don't think it's Wounded Warrior Foundations, but it's one of those. Sure. Back to, to the wounded that come back from war. And I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. He goes, yeah, I just, I, I, I feel so compelled to do something because I wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't a veteran. I didn't get to go out and serve. I didn't serve my country in that capacity, but he wanted to serve his country in other ways and support and give back. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. So a quick 
you know, shout out to my friend and thanks for the new gear. Cause I'm loving it. I wear it all the time. I go into gym, I take pictures of it. I send it to him. He's like, you're a nut. <clears throat> so now since it, sure. This is your business. This is your baby. This is something that you're really proud of. And I know some of the guys that work for you that think you're like the, the greatest thing in life. And they're right. Uh, they really look up to you. So tell me about Cinch IT. This is your company. I want to know more about it. Yeah, sure. So uh, Cinch IT is located up here in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, the, it We provide computer support to businesses. That's what we do. Um, and honestly, you know, as you talk to people that, that work for the company, um, you know, if they say nice things, it's also intentional Yeah, because we put a lot of time and effort as a team into building our culture. Right. Um, and I don't mean that in like a generic, you know, culture way. I mean, we literally put a lot of time and effort into it and we bring in great people. We got great training programs. We do all of that stuff. <laughs> Your cat loves me. I'm telling you, is this a girl or a boy? It's a girl. So I have my cat's a boy. So maybe that's it. Oh, I'm killing myself. <laughs> listening to it. You know, it's funny because it's so you're so comfortable in front of the microphone. You've been doing this for years and yeah. so have I. So she comes in, I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, uh, you know, the, the guys are fantastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? It There's, you know, right now, and I couldn't always tell you this. I'd be lying to you if I told you we've never um, had issues or anything like that. But right now, like our, our, our staff everybody is amazing. There is no weak link. Everybody gets along. It's such a great team environment. Uh, and you know what? We needed that in 2020. Yeah. Big time. Cause we, we got through it together. It was not easy for any of us. You know, in our business, the way Cinch IT works is it's a fixed monthly price, right? We, we set a fixed monthly price for the customer that they, they can budget for it. They can plan for it. Right. Um, and it's unlimited amount of support. And when, 2020 hit and the work from home order came through all of these employees of all of our customers had to transition to a work from home environment. So they're going home with computers and monitors and trying to connect to their internet and their, their home printer if they have one and they're, they're trying to stream and their kids are trying to, you know, the kids are on Netflix and the dad's on a zoom call or mom's on a zoom call and they're That's trying all to work. bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. So we got our, our ticket volume of support requests tripled, if not quadrupled um, all while we made not a penny of additional revenue, right? So my guys just had to work so much harder than they ever had before. Um, And they they absolutely killed it. They They did a fantastic job. The customer satisfaction scores were better than they ever have been. Um, And that's just just the culture. Did you find that people, like, like you started to develop more of a fan base out of your people because you went- Me? No. Well, well, like your, your, since IT kind of goes- it went beyond what maybe people would have expected during that time, you know, cause like you said, you didn't increase your revenue. You, no. you doubled your, your the amount of work you did, but you didn't profit per se in that moment. But in the future, you're going to get more referrals, people that love you and they'll stick with you. And you know, I'm in business 30 years. I get the same thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You know, I, I think that, um, it's hard because it tech technical, skills and technical work it's not sexy right to be honest with you so right. you know we 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 do you know we're, we're putting together marketing and stuff like that and you know we talk about it all the time there's some businesses where you can do some really cool stuff with right yeah. you can do some really great marketing and things like that it not not so much it's not that sexy <laughs> it's kind of like a tax account <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't think that you know customers um I don't know if customers look at us as, as fans, but they 
certainly appreciated yeah. how much work these guys did and, and and how we were there for them and that we really held true to that. We're never going to charge you a penny more and stuff like that. Right. It kind of held, held to that. your business model too, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. They got to see that. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's a huge benefit and maybe even a why a decision of why they decided to do business with us. Yeah. And then they got to say, wow, that was a great decision. Yeah. I'm really glad I don't have any overages and things like yeah. that. And that's why I said like being a fan, they're not just a, and every day, you know, I think I'll go shop for another business in IT. I yeah. don't need to shop for another business. Rick and the guys took great care of us. Why do we not want to just keep upping every year? Yeah. You know, and good for you guys. And there were some awards. That, I just saw you on uh, LinkedIn. You you had some awards came up. Yeah. What, what's, what's going on there? Yeah. So um, our industry, there's an industry-wide magazine called CRN. Um, they awarded actually myself as a next-gen leader, next-generation leader, yeah. uh, which was really nice. Yeah. And then we uh, we won uh, Worcester Business Journal, which is the local business journal. We won Best of Business. Wow. Um, and it's our fourth year in a row, so that was really nice. Um, and it was just felt a little bit more special this year Yeah. because they did work so hard. They worked hard. Yeah. And I'm sure they were pumped. Yeah, absolutely. As well. yeah. You know, it's yeah. nice to see a little recognition. I mean, I, I don't try to do things for recognition, but once in a while when you get it, it's pretty nice. Well, it's nice to know that people appreciate you. Yeah, right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's those people, you know, the, the people who did vote for us and, and when we won, you know, we didn't win because of myself or because of our director of technology. Right. The people that voted, voted for the guys that answer the phone every single day. Right. They're the ones they appreciate. Like, nobody appreciates me. Like, no, yeah. You know what I mean? But they appreciate the guys that answer the phone and help them out and are fantastic with them on the phone. Yeah. Those are the people that voted, and they voted for those guys, right? Yeah. And and that's, I, I think the guys are proud of that. Yeah. It's a nice team you built. I mean, it takes somebody like yourself, the vanguard, the guy who builds it, and he strategizes the pieces together, and then you leave them alone and let them do their work. Yeah, it's, exactly. You know, you micromanage them, and it doesn't usually turn out so well. Yeah. You know, let them, <laughs> and I've always felt that if you're going to hire me, let me do my job. Yeah. Instead of trying to do it for me, what the hell did you hire me for? It doesn't make any sense. Yep. But, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, I, I'm... My first encounter with you was with my friend, uh, both of our friend, Chris Dalton, who yep. works in your business as well. Great guy. Him and Pat, Pat Roddick. Hi, Pat. Nice to see you guys. <laughs> so hearing from me. Anyway, <clears throat> so these are wonderful men. So you've hired people of great quality. And, um, you know, all around, I haven't met, I think I met everybody when I was there the other day, when I, uh, last month. Or, you probably met some of them at I least. Met some, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big building, but I think we, we walked through a good portion of it. So. Yeah. And I met a bunch of the guys who were very personable and I was very comfortable being there. I'm like, it's a pretty good business. But Chris had told me, he said, you know what, you're such a go-getter and this gentleman that I'm working with now, Rick, he's a total go-getter and you guys are going to be great together. Or you will hate each other. Or you'll hate other. each other. Yeah, I think that's how he phrased it. Those to are me. his words. I'm yeah. like, ah, he said, yeah, I was telling him because we work side by side. He's the CEO of uh, a company that I own called Worcester Interactive. He yeah. runs that company completely. Um, They've done well this year, too. They also won Best of Business. Yes. They're, they're the best web design company in all of central Massachusetts. They're that's fantastic. Awesome. Worcester Interactive. Let's throw them out a little bit of it. They did my site, too. So yeah. I, I love those guys. Yeah. They're very, very, very good at what they yeah. do. Very, very meticulous. Good. Yep. You know, and to the point. When I call, I get a call back. Yeah, the, the hard things there in life, right? Again, right? <laughs> it's not hard to just get up each day and put your, you know, your right foot forward and do right by people. Yeah, it's and, not rocket science. Yeah. But that's exactly how he phrased it as well. He said, you know, I was telling him, my, you know, my shoulders killing me. I can't, you know, it's going. My whole arm's going numb. I can't get through the day, and and I have a very high pain tolerance. tolerance yeah. So I went. I might have gone almost a year before I just said, oh, this is killing me. And he said, you know, you need to go see Doctor P. 
He said, you guys are either going to really hit it off and like each other or you're going to hate each other. Be one or the other. So <laughs> Funny assessment by him, right? And we're sitting here today, so yeah, we don't hate each other. So, I mean, I've had the privilege of looking at your physiology and you're a stocky guy, a lot of muscle. You were a great uh, soccer athlete, still are a great soccer athlete, but you're up for new and bigger challenges and you're going to need me in the background to help you. So you're doing Ironman. Tell me about that. What's going on there? Yeah. So, um, first off, full disclosure, I'm don't swim. <laughs> you, I didn't own a bike. I do now. Yeah. I did not own a bike and I hate running. <laughs> so I, let's go into an Ironman. <laughs> I like to pick up heavy stuff. Yeah. Like that's what I enjoy doing. Um, in 2019, so probably would have been important to explain that Cinch IT, it, I decided to franchise the business in 2019. Okay. So we have 10 locations right now uh, across the U.S. So we're selling franchise locations all across the U.S. Um, we handle all of the centralized services here. So in Massachusetts, we're handling the help desk and, and the network operations center and stuff like that. But we have boots on the ground in 10 different locations right now. So every year... We have uh, an annual conference for all of our franchise owners and their employees it's called CinchCon. And in 2019, we were, having, we were hosting CinchCon. We were hosting it at a local casino. We spend the entire day there, and, and it was educational and motivational during the day, and then some nightlife and bonding and stuff like that that night. Yeah. Um, we brought in speakers from all over the country who did a great job. Um, I only I taught one session, um, and the session that, that I did was all about um, vision creating a perfect vision um, as we were going into 2020. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So it was all about creating the perfect vision. And for me, when I coach someone or when I work with somebody, I I don't like to just talk, right? I don't want to just explain theory and possibilities. I want to show real world examples and I want to do the work. So as I'm teaching this session or preparing to teach this session, I said, oh, great. All right. Wonderful. Now I've explained what a vision is and how to create a vision and what's the right type of vision and the components of a vision. But now I want to talk about how do you actually accomplish that vision and you don't just talk about it. Right. Because if you're just talking about it, it's just a, it's a dream. Right. You have a dream. You don't have a vision that you're yeah. executing on. You need the action. Exactly. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to give a real world example. And I said, all right, what could be a fantastic vision for myself in 2020? And so I thought, about some, some some of the business visions I had uh, and some of the personal ones. And I said, you know what? I'd love to do something that was so difficult, so difficult, so outside of my comfort zone, but could be so beneficial and could prove that literally anything is possible. Right. And so I started searching online and it didn't take long to find out. Everybody agrees. One of the hardest dang things you can do is an Iron Man. Is a full <laughs> Iron Man. So a full Iron Man is a 2.4 mile swim, immediately followed by a 112 mile bike ride, immediately followed by a full marathon. Back to back to back. All the things you don't like. Everything I hate <laughs> in fitness. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so, you know what? I said, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. I, I love your this style. This is going to be fantastic. This is going to be great. This I'm going to get my ass kicked. This exactly. is going to be good. <laughs> I treat my body like a roller coaster. And uh, so so I did it. I immediately signed up. Didn't think about it. Didn't ask my wife. Um, didn't didn't think about it at all. I just said, done. Signing up. This is what I'm doing. Um, everybody's going to know that this is difficult for me. Look, I'm not, I'm not 
I don't look like an Iron Man, right? These yeah. guys have you like a power lifter. Yeah, these guys have six percent body fat and they're lean. And so I said, you know what? I'm doing it. So I signed up, and then I put that vision to work. I said, here's the date of the Iron Man, September 18th, right? Here's the date of the Iron Man. Here's what the events look like. Here's the distance of the events. And then I broke it down. What do I need to do? What are my milestones along the way quarterly? What are my milestones that I need to accomplish monthly? And then what do I need to do each and every single day in order to make that happen? Wow. And then I taught it at the conference. That's great. I said, here's the vision and here's how I can guarantee my success. And obviously nothing's guaranteed. There's things like injury and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I'm going to do every damn thing possible to guarantee it. And here's how I'm going to do it. Now, this is a plan to accomplish a vision. And I put that entire plan up here. Here's how many miles I'm doing. Here's when I'm doing it. Here's the event I'm doing. Here's where my rest days are. And I put it all up on the board. And uh, I got the reaction that I wanted, as funny as it sounds, when I announced it. The room broke out into laughter, laughter. just yeah. absolute laughter. Looking at you, you're on the doing stage. an Iron Man. What are you insane? Now, when I announced it to him at at at, at CinchCon, um, I had never swam before. Yeah. Like I've, I can swim in a pool, right? right. I'm not going to drive, but I not 2.4 miles. I've never swam laps, right? Like a full lap intentionally. Right. Um, at the time when I taught the course, I didn't own a bike yet. Like, <laughs> didn't own a bicycle. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I probably could get through two miles at the time, but I would suffer through two miles because I'm lifting, I'm squatting. I want to lift heavy stuff. I don't want to run. Um, and so the room broke out justifiably in complete laughter and, uh, justifiably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But you know what? That's, that's the exact reaction that I wanted because I wanted everyone to understand how complicated these visions are and and how close to near impossible they could be. Because the truth is right. I'm not going to fail. Right. But if, God forbid, I did and I failed when I was 90% there, 80% there, like I would be so better off than I was when I first announced that vision anyways. Right. Would it really be a a complete failure? My body would be in great shape. I'd be mentally ready. I'm prepared for my day at work because I'm feeling, I'm eating healthier. I've I've lost fat and all this kind of stuff. Like, did I really lose? Yeah. I'm not going to fail, but that's the point, right? If you set a goal and it could be business, it can be personal, it can be professional. It doesn't matter. But if you set a goal that complex and even if you technically fail, yeah, you didn't fail. You know, and the, and the failure comes with the way you're judged by the establishment and all we have to do is give it your all. You know, I think it was uh, 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 Lombardi who talked about leaving it all on, on the field of battle. Yeah. You know, warriors still respect each other, even if you're not the winning warrior. It's just that ability to go, go, go and just hammer it. It's like, wow. And I love what you said about writing down your goal, your vision, and then taking action items to make it happen. And that it's not all going to happen overnight, but it's a metamorphosis of the man's behavior and his psychology, which becomes his physiology, which then, as you mentioned, that really is the ultimate gist of it, right? Because you def- you defined that at the end, I'm going to finish this race. So that's the end be all. And that's what you were going for. Absolutely. But the middle of it is like the metaphor for life. You know, you want to be happy and have a great family, but you got to put in the time and the effort in between. Yeah. And the whole journey is the whole thing is a journey. 
So those hard days of training when, I mean, I, I, this happens to me, so I'm, I'm just going to assume it happens to you. When you're out there training, it's dark, it's cold, and you got to do it. There's something powerful about that, isn't it? It's, Knowing that you're alone, but everyone else is home in their bed and they're chilling and you're like, I'm going to take this at 100% and kill it. So... So two, I have two things on there. So one, um, but we're, we're definitely sharing a lot today. Yeah. Um, I had my, my son had a nightmare the other night and he jumped in bed with me. Uh, we woke up the next morning. I was talking to my wife about it. And, uh, I said, you know, interestingly enough, I had a nightmare too. And so I told her about my nightmare and my nightmare. And this is honestly probably because my legs were killing me for my training that day. Right. <laughs> my legs were so sore. Um, in my, my nightmare, uh, I was paralyzed. My wow. legs didn't work. And the doctor said, you're never going to walk again. And I asked him, can I do some physical therapy? Can, like, can you work with me? Can you work with me? Like, you know, there's a chance there's a, there, even if it's a 1% chance and they were like, they refused to work with me. So I started doing some stuff on my own and uh, my legs started to work a little bit and I started to do more work on my own. And, and all of a sudden I started to walk, not well, but I was up and I was walking around and I was walking towards the doctor telling him, see, I'm telling you, will you work with me? And they refused to work with me. And my wife goes, even in your dreams, you're invincible. <laughs> <laughs> even in your nightmare, you're invincible. Would, but, you, would you say that your legs are your, your strongest component of your body? Um, so I'm sitting down on camera. Yeah. So I'd say probably my butt. I have a huge yeah. butt. Like so I, your butt and legs really are hinged anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Exactly. It's funny that you lost your legs, which yeah. is really that which brings you where you want to be. Yeah. And I honestly, my, oh, I was probably so sore when I went to bed. My legs are sore most yeah. days when I go to bed. So that's probably what led to it. But, you know, to also answer, to, to answer your question, what I love about it, I, I don't train with a partner. Right. Um, I do see value in it, but I don't train with a partner. I train alone mostly just because I'm a father of three. I'm a business owner. When I train, it's four o'clock in the morning and right. not too many people want to get up at four o'clock in the morning and want to go for a two, three hour bike ride or a long run or anything like that. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, so I am mostly by myself. What I like about training on in general, whether it's lifting weights or cardio or whatever if you're training for a goal and you're pushing yourself, you literally fail. If you do it right, in my opinion, you fail every single day. Yeah. Over and over and over. Yesterday, five mile run progressively faster. When I was done with my five miles, I was done. Cooked. Yeah. It was a struggle. I yeah. was panting. When I was when I got off, it was it was failure. It was yeah. failure. You know, uh, Saturday I did a sixty mile bike ride. Um, and when you're done, it's failure. Yeah. You're like, well, you left nothing on the, yeah. nothing left. And so you fail every yeah. single day, yeah. but you learn to enjoy it almost. Yeah. You enjoy the pain. You enjoy knowing that you pushed your body that hard. You tried to reach your limit. You met it for that day, but next week your limits are just a little bit greater and yeah. a little bit greater. And so I enjoy that. That's the part I like about yeah. the, the journey towards that vision. It's amazing uh, from a science standpoint, when you look at muscle and you train it to failure as you do, you fail because you don't have enough oxygen and glucose to be able to handle what you're putting into it. But then you stress it and the nervous system says, we need to get with the program. We need to build more capillaries, which bring more blood oxygen into his legs. And there's the jump. Yeah. It's a little bit each time. And before you know it, you can do things that you never thought you could do before. And I'm running into this in my own private practice now. A lot of people are like, well, I don't have time. I mean, Rick, you don't have time for anything. You have to make it. 
You know, when guys like us, as busy as we are, even this podcast, we had to hammer out a month in advance to yeah. be able to come and sit down because, you know, time is important to us. And it's one of the most precious commodities that we have. And you're a, you're a father and you have three children and the time spent with them is absolutely paramount, I would assume. Tell me a little bit about how your life has changed now that you've become a dad. What are some things that your children are teaching you in, in spite of the fact that you're trying to teach them everything? Yeah. So... Uh, my kids teach me lessons every day. Um, they probably have to teach them seven, eight times before I actually learn the lessons. <laughs> right. Um, honestly, probably the biggest lesson that I learned from my kids, um, is about my own personality, yeah. um, is, is learning to be more patient. Um, you know, when my kids were younger, I think that I didn't have a ton of patience. I still don't have right. a ton of patience. But you're working on it. Exactly. Um, when, if you and me were working together and I displayed not a lot of patience with you. Yeah. Or I got frustrated or I was quick to anger or whatever, I would do it. You're, you're a grown adult you would probably give it right back to me or whatever. And we'd, right. we'd go on about our day and, and nothing would ever change to be very honest with you. But for me, if I'm quick to anger or if I'm impatient or if I'm frustrated with my, one of my children who like have the cutest little faces and they're so yeah. sweet when they look up at you and they're sad or disappointed, it, you, you learn that lesson a lot quicker. Right. Right. Because I go, Oh, I just crushed that little one's feelings. Yeah. Right. And I, did I really need to do that? Like, like, is it that big of a deal? Am I too quick to anger? Do I need to be more patient? Um, and so when I do things that I, or act a certain way that I might normally do with an adult, I might not learn my lesson when I do it to, to my children and, and they're just sweet and innocent and cute. And I, and they show, they wear their heart on their sleeve. Right. I see my impact on them. And so it's a little bit easier to learn. And, yeah. and so I learn a lot from their reactions and, and from their input. Yeah, that's really an interesting statement. It's the children are so emotional to you and you love them with all your, you, everything you do now is, is hinged around, you know, providing for your kids, giving them love and, and security and all these things. But then when we look at people that we work with outside of our family, we have to realize that that's somebody else's child. Yep. Absolutely. So, and they feel the same way. They just, they've, they've over years, they've learned to repress it or hide it or, or whatever. Absolutely. Um, and, and the little ones don't because they don't need to and they shouldn't. And, and so I think it's a little bit easier to learn. My daughter um, literally last night came in and she said, uh, she gave me a kiss and she goes, daddy, you're promise me you're always going to be nice to mommy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what's it, going on? Was behind I, the scenes was I here? not nice recently? <laughs> yeah. um, I don't remember when, but uh, so, right. Like, so they'll even point out stuff that's going on around you. So, um, you know, I think kids make, at least my kids make me a better person Yeah. Uh, in general. I think that's, that's prophetic right there because children, some, pa some parents are frustrated with their kids mainly because they're frustrated with their own lives. And then the kids get the brunt of that, which it stinks yeah. for the kids. You know, I see quite a bit of, of you know families in my clinical practice and I see this going on all the time. I'm like, I try to drop a little hint once in a while to the parents and say, listen, you don't have to punish them every day if you don't want to, because yeah. I don't want to be punished. <laughs> when I come home, last thing I want to hear is my wife is punishing me for coming home 10 minutes too late or not doing something at work I was supposed to do. I don't want that. Yeah. How about just be nice to me? 
It's not rocket science for crying out loud. It's not difficult to do. And as long as we love and support each other, what's the big deal? Yeah. But then we're human. Yep. And by the way, you and I are alpha males. And we want to win at every cost because that's where we're built. Yeah. So sometimes we get in the way of our own success and our kids take it on the chin. And I, like I say to the parents, listen, they're just watching you. Children aren't very good listeners, right? They hear you, but they don't always listen, you know? So, but they watch you and they see what you do. So they use their two eyes and they watch how daddy deals with mommy, mm -hmm. how mommy deals with daddy. And so like my two, I'm can brag for a moment. I always do. Every parent should brag about their kids because they're wonderful. My kids are fantastic. I don't have any issues with discipline or what I expect. They already know that. It's built into our home. So I don't have to worry about when my kids go out or when they, you know, when they're spending money. They're, they're just, they just get it. They've been watching mom and dad do it. But if mom and dad struggle, then the children struggle. So when parents come in to me, I say, can you treat my child? I'm like, well, what's wrong with your child? Well, they have all these learning problems and I know you do a lot of coaching and you do brain. I go, all right, you want my honest opinion? Yes, absolutely. You and your husband need to get your crap together <laughs> because right now the two of you are so fragmented and all over the place that your children are just behaving in a way that's a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to fix your kids. You have to fix yourself. That's part of my message sitting here right now. It just came to me for the people at home. You don't have to fix your kids. What are you, nuts? You have to fix yourself. And therefore, you can't fix your spouse either. You know, what's interesting is at the beginning of this podcast, we started, when I started telling you about my upbringing, I said, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I am a direct result of my parents. Yeah. And here we are talking about it again. And we're talking about it now that my children are going to be a direct result of me and my wife. Um, my Both my kids play sports. They play soccer. Um, and coincidentally you know I played soccer as well so sure. that's the, the one sport I know most about so they they gravitate towards that because dad's watching soccer on TV and dad plays soccer um but and I can work with them on it so now we're spending yeah. time together yeah. so they enjoy that so no surprise that they like soccer um and then I'm a very competitive person we talked about that and I'm doing the Ironman and I'm doing all this stuff and so my kids are competitive and and so you know my wife and myself our job is to encourage them right and uh my wife actually just recorded a video last, I think it was like last night or the night before my son had played four hours of soccer competitively on Sunday. How old is your son? My son is seven. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He plays with, um, nine and 10 year olds. Um, he played for four hours and then I went to bed cause I go to bed early cause I get up early. So yeah. I was in bed and my wife snuck a little video of him Yeah. He's playing soccer at nine o'clock at night all by himself, talking to himself, by the way. He's like right. talking to himself, playing soccer all by himself in the house. The kid's obsessed with it. He loves it. He wants to be the best at it. He, he enjoys doing it. Yeah. Um, and he's not doing it for us. He's not doing it because I'm sitting there going, you need to train. You need to do this. Yeah, you're and in bed. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm long asleep, but yeah. we get to be the ones that maybe inspire our children and kind of get to kind of breed that competitiveness or that love for sports or, or whatever into them and encourage them when they do good things. And now right. he's doing it on his own Yeah, at seven already. And you know, he's got another decade. He's 17. He's applying to colleges. He gets it. You know, he gets it because he, he doesn't know anything different. He just knows that you set up, like you said, you set up a plan with some action items and the ultimate, what do you want? One of the things that I do in life coaching is the simplest question. What do you want? I come in here and I hear a lot of people tell me things that, you know, that are going wrong in their lives. I'm like, all right, I heard all that. 
So what do you want? Well, what do you mean? It's not a trick question. What do you want? How do you want to feel? What do you want to have in your life? How do you want the world to see you? Who do you want to be? They're like, oh, what? <laughs> I'm like, I can't change your life for you. Change your own. You got to figure out what you want to be. But if you do come from a background, let's say you, let's say you had a military dad and he took it a little too far sometimes, right? Yeah. And you know, a lot of people have lived through this. It stinks. And then there's alcohol and other stuff that come in families. And then they, the way they approach life is maybe not the same as your children, maybe my children, because they were fortunate to grow up in a home of balance. So if they don't have that, then they get out into the world and they begin to struggle. You know, I, I hope everybody understands this one simple concept that you can't change anything that happened in your past, but you can be aware of the things that shaped you and then reshape yourself because the brain is moldable. It's plastic. We used to think that the brain was, you know, once you hit a certain age, that's it. That's your brain. No way, man. It's like you're, I mean, let's look at your body. When you trained, you said you were training, you're going to continue to train and your body's going to evolve, right? Absolutely. It evolves. It can go up in size. It can go down in size. <laughs> it can become more efficient, less efficient. Well, that's the brain too. The brain is an organ, just like a, a heart or a liver or, or a kidney. And some would say, oh, well, the brain's more important. No, it isn't. The whole thing's important. But we don't talk enough about the brain and the fact that it's going to change in time. So the athlete like yourself and myself, we want to win. And that's kind of who we are. We're built this way. Then we have these beautiful little children that come into our lives and we go, oh, I'm going to have to be, I don't have to be, I want to be soft. I want to be vulnerable. I want to love them. And they, they bring us to a place, right? And I'm sure this has happened to you as well, where we're so adult-like that we're screwing up some of our own stuff. And you go back to the kids and they're like, they just say it so simple sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it was said to me once, I, I forget who said it. They're like, children come into the world, the smartest people on the planet. They've got genetic uh, events that are or, uh, events that are tied into their genes for the last however long man has been here. Then they're born, they come in, everything's working, and then we screw them up because we're parents. <laughs> Parenting screws them up. I'm like, huh. So here we are in our, you know, middle years of our lives. And we look back and we go, what is this all about? It's about trying to make other people's lives better along with us kicking ass, right? But if you leave one of the two out, you're only half the man you needed to be in the first place. And getting to that place and getting to help other people brings purpose. Even if you blew off a leg and you happen to be in the military, you lost a leg, that's a horrific injury for a person. But if you take that and you bring it to others and you show them that you got a chance, because if I can do it, you can do it. And if a big lump like you who can lift half a house can run, swim, and bike, man, anything's possible. Literally. <laughs> anything's possible, but... Well, awesome. Listen, it's been great having you on today. And I'm so happy that you came in to share your story. And there were some good pearls in there for people at home to really hear that if you really want it, you can have it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. When a, 220, a 2020 comes and it throws a, you know, a wrench in it, we'll figure out how to loosen the nut. That's all. Because since IT did it, Rick Porter's done it. The Chris Daltons have done it. The guys that work next to you. And the Pat, oh, Pat. Pat Ruddick, I got to say hi to Pat because Pat's working <laughs> on my website right now. And, uh, you know, so it's been really nice. And I and it, you know, it was Chris that said to me, what I really like about having Pete and Rick come together is that we can bring our businesses together and our energies together. You know, we're just having a conversation. But in the future, if we have time and we're working together with our employees, it'll be just that much better for everybody involved. So I want to say thank you very much for coming on and sitting with me and having this conversation today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. You bet, kid. We'll see each other soon. Absolutely. Take care.